It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero. It's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're listening, whenever you're watching, hope you're doing all right today. Today's show. She's being brought to you in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant located on St. Simon's Island in Georgia. Give my man Sal a call. 912-268-2328 or visit his website www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com find out why i go all the way to st simon's to get a decent italian meal and speaking of st simon's join us for our next billy c get together which is uh going to uh kind of surround around the joke of a fight we're calling mcgregor mayweather uh a lot of you boxing fans aren't going to bother to spend the money so come on down to st simon's at the beautiful Sea Palms Resort and enjoy a weekend of fun with Sal and myself along with former world champions Marlon Starling, Bobby Chez, and Mike Hercules Weaver. We're also going to have renowned trainer uh, Sherman Henson stop by and work out, yes, work out Sal Rocky Senecola. You don't want to miss this. Plus, not only that, we'll have a meet and greet. You can hang out with everybody uh, there's some more d'oeuvres being served, all of that stuff. We also also are going to have a little golf tournament, and we are going to show you at least one episode of our new series called Billy C's Boxing Revisited, which is going to begin airing in the fall. Uh, but you'll get to watch it first, the completed versions of that uh, as we show that. So uh, come on down, hang out with us and Marlon and Bobby Chez and Mike Weaver and have a great time. Just visit cpoms.com and give them a call. Tell them you want to uh, uh, you want to hear the uh, Billy C. Boxing specials that they have. Uh, and uh, by the way, we will be watching the McGregor Mayweather fight. That's right. We will be trashing Sal's place. We'll be uh, eating there. And I, you'll, listen, you'll have a great time. Uh, what better way to uh, end the summer uh, than hanging out with us in a Billy C. get-together. Visit cpoms.com, give them a call, tell them to mention, uh, or you mentioned Billy C. Boxing Special, or just visit our website, billycboxing.com, and click the C-Poms uh, banner. Also, today's show is being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino from Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet, is available right now, where all good books are sold. Get yourself a copy of this now. Find out why I'm so adamant about bringing to light the historical Tom Molino and why you should know who this guy is. You can get a copy right now by visiting Barnes & Noble or Amazon.com. Or if you want a signed copy, just uh, come up to me when you see me at an event or just visit our website, BillyCBoxing.com, and click on the book. Um, 
Well, uh, coming up a little bit later, Dax Khan will be joining us. Uh, Sal Rocky Senecola will not be here today. He's got some uh, other things going on. No problemo. Um, we got some fight results to talk about. Uh, we got uh, some other stuff. This week's uh, blast from the past, which is going to take place on Wednesday. Fritzy Zivic, as requested by you. Uh, don't forget, if you want a specific blast from the past, just drop me an email, Billy at Talking Boxing. That's T A L K I N B O X I N G dot com. If you take the time to send me an email, I'll take the time to read it. And uh, speaking of taking the time, um, we also uh, uh, want to uh, talk about uh, uh, our fights that took place this past weekend, the fights that took place this past weekend. I should say not our fights, but uh, I got an email to read from my man, Joel. Uh, and um, today's topic, and, and I know Dax is going to talk about it too when he comes on a little bit later, but today's topic, uh, which is uh, uh, pretty, uh, pretty good. Um, you know, the fight that's coming up this weekend, Terrence Crawford against uh, Julius uh, uh, Indongo. You know, for, first of all, this is a lot better of a fight than you may be thinking. I mean, Terrence Crawford has looked so fantastic in the ring, uh, you know, uh, since he kind of busted onto the scene. And I say busted onto the scene because a lot of people forget that Terrence Crawford was a fighter that was originally brought in as the B-side, you know, the infamous B-side of a fight, and uh, won. And then they uh, kind of set him up again, and he won again, and all of a sudden they're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, maybe this is the guy. And uh, since then, he's uh, taken the division by storm and moved up a division, as a matter of fact. Um, now, here's the thing. Indongo, in, in his own right, has uh, has done pretty well for himself as well. Now, the reason why that this is a, such a historical fight is, first of all, I believe that uh, Julius Ndongo is is extremely underrated. Uh, this is a fighter that was not handed a title. Uh, he earned his title and then earned the second one he collected. And when you look at Terrence Crawford, uh, you know, he's got two belts. This is one of the... I, I can't remember the last time we had all four... Uh, major sanctioning bodies on the line for uh, a fight in a division where the winner clearly can say that he cleaned up the division. And that's what's going to take place after this weekend. The winner of this fight will have cleaned up the uh, uh, junior welterweight division. And I'm looking forward to it. And I don't think it's an easy fight. Uh, I think we're going to see... Uh, uh, maybe the best performance from Terrence Crawford. We know we're going to see the best performance of, from Julius Ndongo because he's going to have to perform well uh, to get by, um, you know, to get by uh, uh, my man uh, Terrence Crawford. Now, you know, Terrence Crawford, uh, there's nothing to dislike, at least in my opinion, there's nothing to dislike about this guy because uh, uh, he does things well and does it well often. Does that make sense? Well, what I mean is he goes in and he does have a tendency to have a feel out round or two or even three. Uh, but what I like about Terrence Crawford, first of all, he's the complete package. And what I mean by that is Terrence Crawford is a fighter who uh, has good defense. He has good boxing ability in terms of, you know, the, the classic boxer. Uh, he can move. He's got good movement. He's smart in the ring. And the best part is he's not too, he's not afraid to engage. 
And this is what makes him a special fighter. Not only can he box, not only can he fight safety first, not only can he uh, scope out his opponent and break his opponent down, but he's not afraid to engage. And by doing so, he wins in dramatic fashion most of the time. Well, Ndongo is similar. He likes to break down his opponent, and uh, he gets the job done. And and I think one of the things that has has helped uh, Julius Ndongo uh, is the fact that he kind of sneaks up on people. They're not they're not familiar with him when they fight him. They kind of take him lightly. And if Terence Crawford takes uh, Julius Ndongo lightly in this fight, he too may find himself. Uh, on the wrong end of the decision. I, I like the fight. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't have many fights uh, to uh, catapult us into that fight this weekend, uh, this past weekend. Uh, but, uh, hey, we got this good one uh, coming up. Now, in addition uh, to the uh, Terrence Crawford and Dongo card, uh, which will be uh, uh, on ESPN, um, also on the ESPN broadcast, uh, Alexander uh, Godzik is going up against Craig Baker. Um, in a, uh, you know, moving up the ranks kind of a, a fight. Uh, Godzik is 13-0, and 0, <coughs> excuse me, with 11 knockouts, and Craig Baker's, Baker's only been beaten one time. He's 17-1, and 1, 13 knockouts. So uh, we'll see what uh, happens in that one. That's what we're going to get to watch on the ESPN broadcast uh, first, uh, th- that fight, and then, of course, uh, Crawford uh, in Dongo. But uh, like is the case uh, in today's world, the undercard will all be streamed. And uh, who's going to be on the undercard? Well, the return of uh, uh, Mike Alvarado, uh, former uh, junior welterweight champion. He's uh, donning a record of 37 wins, four losses, with 25 of his wins uh, coming by knockout. He's now fighting in the welterweight division, in case you all forgot. And uh, also on the card, uh, Brian Jennings. Uh, and the return of uh, Axeman Walters, Nicholas Walters. Last time we saw him, he was quitting on his stool. Brian Jennings, the last time we saw him, he was knocked out by uh, Luis Ortiz. And uh, Mike Alvarado actually was coming off of a win, I, I, if, if, if I believe uh, correctly. Um, Shakir Stevenson will also be on that uh, fight uh, on the stream. And uh, Mike Reed uh, as well. So uh, the streamed fights... Uh, will be uh, pretty good uh, as well. Now, Brian Jennings, from what I understand, is going to be fighting Daniel Martz uh, in a heavyweight fight. Jennings hasn't been in the ring for uh, quite some time. And Daniel Martz is a big guy. He's a powerful guy, but he's not too dangerous. I don't anticipate uh, Brian Jennings having much trouble uh, with him. Uh, I got to uh, call Daniel Martz uh, uh, a couple of his fights, actually. Uh, One that he was favored in and got knocked out. Uh, so uh, uh, I'm anticipating him going to sleep against Bryant Jennings. But nonetheless, Bryant Jennings uh, uh, needed to start somewhere, and he's starting with uh, Daniel Martz. Uh, as far as the other opponents and the other fights, Dax Khan will be talking about that uh, when he comes on uh, a little bit later uh, on the show. Um, this past weekend, uh, there was a couple of fights that I want to mention, and uh, one of them uh, uh, is... Armenza Garcia fought Omar Chavez. Now, Chavez is the younger brother of Julio Cesar Jr. Chavez, uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Uh, Omar Chavez is the uh, younger brother, uh, obviously both the son of Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. Uh, Omar Chavez, when he first started, um, 
many people regarded him as a, a better boxer than his older brother, uh, Junior. Uh, but uh, he didn't look uh, too good, or at least uh, he didn't look good enough for the judges on uh, on Saturday. Now, if you recall, in his last fight, uh, he had uh, come off a, a, a win uh, against uh, Ramon Alvarez, uh, uh, Canelo Alvarez's brother, uh, which got him into this fight against uh, uh, Roberto La Amenza Garcia. And uh, Amenza Garcia, well... He won the fight via a decision, the way the judges scored it, 97-92, and two had it 96-93, all in favor of Garcia, who improves to 41 wins, three losses, with 24 of his wins coming by knockout. And uh, Omar Chavez, well, he loses for the third time in his career. He drops to 36 wins, three losses, and a draw uh, with uh, 24 knockouts the fight uh, took place in mexico and uh one other fight i wanted to mention actually two more but one fight i want to mention right now uh my man yoriokas gamboa nobody was a bigger fan of gamboa than me uh it goes all the way back to when he first swam over here on a coconut raft uh i've just i I loved gamboa but he's clearly not the same fighter uh we saw gamboa basically quit in his last fight um, but he fought very quietly this past weekend. As a matter of fact, and I pride myself on not letting much get past us here on this show uh, in terms of what's going on uh, in the uh, in the boxing world. But uh, I had I, it totally flew under my radar. Uh, Yorikis Gamboa fought Alexis Reyes this past weekend. Gamboa uh, won the fight, but struggled again. Alexis Reyes dropped to 15-3-1, a fighter with 19 pro fights against Gamboa, who had that outrageously successful amateur career, and Don's now, uh, based on this win, 27 wins, 2 losses with 17 knockouts. The way the judges scored it, all three of them saw it the same, 95-94. A guy like uh, Gamboa should have destroyed Reyes. He squeaks by. And I didn't see the fight. I didn't even see highlights. But when I see the scores like 95-94 across the board uh, for a guy like Gamboa against Reyes, no disrespect to Reyes, Reyes probably won this fight. Uh, I I mean, uh, you know, Gamboa needs to hang him up because he's probably looking for one more payday. But uh, if you can't destroy a guy you're supposed to destroy, um, now you're in danger. Uh, I really uh, think... uh, Gamboa uh, should uh, consider uh, hanging him up. Last week, we talked a lot about uh, damage to the old brain uh, in terms of uh, uh, head trauma. Uh, It's the uh, show, in case you missed it, it's the one that uh, had the uh, Floyd Mayweather scam in his uh, uh, fans title. Uh, We kind of got off topic and went really deep into the safety of the fighters. Hey, hold that thought. I'm going to take a short break. And when we come back, I'll finish up that. And then uh, Dax Khan in about 15 minutes. Don't go anywhere. Billy C. will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. 
and we're back. You're watching and listening to Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us today. And speaking of being with us, don't forget, you got to come down to St. Simon's Island or up to St. Simon's Island, wherever you're from, and uh, join us uh, on uh, August uh, uh, 25th and 26th. Uh, yes, we are going to show the McGregor-Mayweather fight, but it's going to be two days of uh, hanging out with us, eating Sal's restaurant uh, food, which I've been bragging about, hanging out uh, with uh, former world champions Marlon Starling, Bobby Chez, and uh, Mike Weaver, uh, watching Sal work out with Sherman Henson, uh, also uh, maybe playing a little golf, and uh, in addition to having a meet and greet where you guys can uh, – Literally uh, throw down some more derves with uh, uh, Marlon and Bobby and, and Mike Weaver and Sherman Henson, um, as well as uh, Sal Rocky Senecola and myself. Uh, we're also going to show you a uh, episode of our new show, Billy C's Boxing Revisited, which will be on the networks uh, in the fall uh, when they uh, break out the fall uh, programming. Uh, but we're going to give you guys a sneak preview first uh, it's not uh, anywhere else right now it's not on youtube it's not uh been broadcast anywhere else uh so uh you get to see that and trust me that's worth the trip in itself man you guys are gonna love this series man it's uh really good so come on down uh visit uh, cpoms.com call them up tell them you want the billy c special and uh they'll tell you what that includes which is a lot of stuff food the golf outing uh the meet and greet everything uh for a really uh very affordable price for the two nights, by the way. Uh, or just visit our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the C-Poms banner. Um, before we went to break, I was talking about the uh, Gamboa uh, sad uh, performance against Reyes. I'm saying it's sad. I honestly did not see it. Didn't even know it was happening. Uh, but when I see the scores, uh, I'm concerned for my man Gamboa. But another fight, which I was critical of last week, um, Robert Alfonso is, a, is a, an undefeated heavyweight, and he was undefeated again uh, this past weekend. He was 12-0 going through the fight. He's now 13-0 with five knockouts. And uh, he was fighting for the USBA belt, which is part of uh, its original title from the uh, IBF. And he was fought in, fighting Jason Bergman. Now, Jason Bergman's a tough guy, but uh, he had lost uh, two of his, his last two fights going into this fight and actually three of his last four and he lost this one. His record now is 26 and 15. My, my question just was, how can anyone sanction a fight with a fighter who's coming off multiple losses? I, I don't care about the record. If a fighter, you know, uh, lost a bunch of fights and then got his uh, career back on track and, and had a string of victories, then, yeah, you, you know, he's, 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 it's justified to give him a shot at a title. But this guy lost, and I don't care how, who they were or anything, he lost two fights in a row, and then all of a sudden the IBF approves him for a USBA title. I, it, I don't like it. But uh, nonetheless, 99-91, and two of the judges had it 99-90 uh, to give uh, Alfonso the uh, the unanimous decision win. So uh, that's what took place uh, this past weekend. Uh, now, I got a, a, an email that I wanted to read. Uh, this one's from uh, my man uh, Joel. And uh, Joel uh, can be found uh, in our chat room. Now, I know you guys uh, that are watching uh, on a, a stream or uh, if you uh, uh, are watching live on, uh, on the television dial or wherever, uh, we do have multiple chat rooms. However, uh, well, let me, say, let me say this. There are multiple chat rooms out there. We have one. 
the one that we respond to is up on billycboxing.com. And my man Joel uh, is in there right uh, uh, right now. Uh, but I also noticed him on our uh, simulcast uh, over on Facebook, which I just want to give a shout-out to everybody that's uh, watching us on, on Facebook. I, I appreciate it. A lot of people have joined uh, the, uh, the Facebook Live uh, page. Now, I just want you guys to know, whoever's uh, watching on Facebook, that's not our normal feed. That is basically a cheesy camera, and uh, all you got is my mug. Uh, if you want the real feed, the TV feed, uh, the, the feed that, uh, you know, when someone else is on the show, you're, you're looking at them, um, you know, multiple camera shots, that feed is also being uh, streamed up on our YouTube channel. So if you're looking to get uh, the full, uh, full effect of the show, then uh, visit uh, our website, billyseatboxing.com, and just play what's on the front page, or just go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash talkin, T-A-L-K-I-N, boxing, B-O-X-I-N-G. Um, no, no, it's, it's not. It's youtube.com slash boxing. you know, one word, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G, and you'll get to that page. <laughs> I'm confusing the hell out of myself today, let alone you guys. My man Joe says, hey, I ended up watching the Omar Chavez and Roberto Garcia fight Saturday night because I was home and there wasn't anything else on. I was pleased to notice during the broadcast and was able to confirm by looking at my uh, guide that uh, the fight in Japan featuring Shinuki Yamanaka and Luis Neri will be shown live on BN Sports Espanol Tuesday morning at 7 a.m. For those home up early and interested in catching some live boxing, it shows the dedication BN Sports Espanol has in boxing, and it's great to see. If you can't watch it live Tuesday night, they're re-showing the fight uh, on a replay. Well, thanks for that uh, heads up. Uh, BN Sports is uh, is a pretty decent station, and, and they are trying to dabble a little more in boxing. They have two versions of the, sh of the channel. One is... Uh, uh, regular BN Sports, and the other is the BN Sports Espanol. The Espanol one uh, does seem to uh, have uh, more fights uh, on it uh, than the uh, the standard one, but uh, I'm glad to see that boxing is finding its way on television networks, uh, no matter uh, how big or small they are. And there's several others that uh, have them out there too. And like somebody had sent me an email uh, over the weekend saying, you know, the, the best part of uh, boxing today and the technology that we live in, the world of technology we live in, it really, it doesn't matter where you are. If you know of a fight, you'll be able to find that fight, either a live stream version of it, a uh, <clears throat> one that you should be watching and one that maybe you shouldn't be. Um, and in the worst case, you can always get uh, that fight the next day. Uh, on YouTube, so uh, it's it's a great thing. He says, I was curious on your and Sal's thoughts on the matter of the boxing career, on the matter of the boxing career for Conor McGregor after Floyd the Floyd fight. I tend to feel Conor will pursue another fight or two in boxing, and I couldn't think of a better opponent than Paulie Malignaggi for Connie, uh, for Conor. It already has a feud built in, and I'm sure uh, they would convince Paulie to come out of retirement and get a big payday. What do you think? Uh, and will Connor continue boxing after this fight, go back to MMA, or retire altogether from combat sports? Um, well, first and foremost, we can't get you Sal's thoughts today, uh, Joel, because uh, Sal, uh, he not here. He's he, he not here. You know, but uh, 
Uh, I, you know, as far as Conor McGregor, I don't know what to think of, of Conor McGregor aside from the fact that he's kind of a loose cannon and kind of wacky. But I, first of all, we're talking about a $100 million payday for Conor. Um, and even if he's as stupid with his money as Floyd Mayweather appears to be, and even after Uncle, even after he pays his taxes, unlike what Floyd Mayweather does, um, you know, assuming this guy walks away with with forty or fifty million dollars, uh, maybe after his expenses, even 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 if he walks away with thirty million, um, even if he walked away with ten million, I mean, you're talking about a a life altering payday that. You know, not only sets him up, but sets his kids up and his his grandkids and great grandkids, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, that he doesn't even have it. He's only twenty eight. And keep in mind, this guy has made million dollar paydays before. Um, I, you know, I, I always wonder with these athletes, like, you know, when do you say when? I mean, in a case like Conor McGregor, he's twenty eight years old. Win, lose, or draw against Mayweather he could conceivably go right off into the sunset and, you know, live the rest of his life, uh, you know. Will he do that? I don't know. He's got a big ego. Uh, depending upon his performance against Floyd, if something drastic happens against Floyd, which I don't think it will, but if something drastic happens, like he stops Floyd, God forbid, first of all, it'll be the biggest upset in sports history. Um, and, and I love every minute of, minute of it. But, uh, you know, or even if he just goes the distance, Chances are he might venture into that again, but it would have to be big money. As far as Paulie Malignaggi is concerned, you know, Paulie Malignaggi, that was all a big PR thing for Showtime. Showtime's nervous about this fight, nervous that they may not make the money they think. You know, a lot of outlets, and you'll see certain news guys saying, oh, this is going to be the biggest fight in history, um, you know, numbers-wise and everything. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. You know, there's a lot of people that have already lost interest in this fight. They're trying to keep it in the mix because they're mentioning smaller gloves. They're talking about that again today, uh, that the uh, fighters might go to uh, smaller gloves, uh, which I doubt because, you know, you see, this is how Floyd Mayweather cons his, uh, his fans because he makes a statement like, oh, I'll go smaller gloves. And, and, he, and, and they're the fans that are young, especially that don't really know the sport and are just fans of Floyd, don't understand that it's not easiest. It's not as easy done as it is said. Easier said than done. Um, I'm having trouble speaking the English today. Uh, but uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see. You know, I mean, they do have to request it from the uh, athletic commission. And quite honestly, it's it's a type of a a change that I normally in a normal situation, I'm not sure the commission would have a problem if both sides agree. However, in this particular case, and the fact that, you know, the, the spineless, gutless pig of a guy who runs the Nevada State Athletic Commission, namely Bob Bennett, uh, if he does that, then you can take it to the bank that this guy is clearly looking for the revenue that will be generated for the commission, the athletic commission, uh, from Floyd Mayweather and disregarding any safety for either fighter, let alone Conor McGregor. I'm totally, I, I feel very strongly about that this fight should have never been approved as a real fight. It should never have been approved as a real fight. And the reason is because of the experience factor. 
an exhibition, no problem. So if he approves those gloves, you may think right off the bat that it favors Floyd, uh, that it favors Conor McGregor because of Floyd's girly hands. Uh, but uh, but who knows? You know, Floyd. Listen, Conor's going to tire himself out, and Floyd's going to win by knockout, which is even more sickening. Let's take a short break. When we come back, uh, we are scheduled to have uh, my man Dax Khan join us. So don't go anywhere. Billy C. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. Uh, I want to give a special shout out to uh, uh, we got somebody watching from Malta in Europe. My man uh, Ronnie, give him a special shout out. He's watching the Facebook stream. And uh, hey, don't forget to uh, make your plans and come on down to St. Simon's Island and hang out with uh, not only Sal and myself, but uh, also uh, my man Marlon Starling, former world champion former world champion Bobby Chez, and former heavyweight world champion Mike Weaver. On uh, August 25th and 26th, we are going to be showing the uh, a McGregor-Mayweather fight, and we got a bunch of great stuff planned, so uh, make your reservations now. Just visit cpoms.com and give them a call and ask for the Billy C. Special, or just visit our website, billycboxing.com, and click on on the seat pumps we'd love to have you down there hey listen it'll be worth the trip not only do you get to hang out with marlon and bobby and mike weaver uh but you get to uh watch sal get worked out by sherman henson uh with the pads and everything else and uh, he's in training I, I talked to him the other day and he's like oh i'm running i'm working out i'm doing this i don't want to look foolish you know so uh he's uh taking this very seriously and uh you also get to watch uh, are uh, an episode or two of Billy C's uh, Boxing Revisited, a new series that we have coming out uh, in the fall on the network. So uh, uh, make sure you uh, uh, make your plans today. We'd love to see you down in beautiful St. Simons. And, of course, you get to eat Sal's food. Joining us right now, uh, all the way from New York. Oh, that's right. Wait a minute. I'm in New York, too. My man, uh, Dax Khan. What's up, Dax? What's up? I'm thinking. I'm thinking about this event you're talking about. You got, you got a matinee idol. You got a magic man. You're gonna have Hercules Weaver over there. It's like you know. It's more like you got superstars. Yeah. Well, too bad you're not coming down. Why aren't you coming? Because I'm the superstar in New York. Oh. Oh. All right. All right. If I, if I leave, who else is gonna be here? Yeah. This is true. This is true. <laughs> but uh, so we got uh, we got a decent fight. You know, I was talking about the uh, Terence Crawford Julius Ndongo fight. This. Uh, when we kicked off the show and I love this fight Dax and the reason why I love this fight is because like most Terrence Crawford fights or at least most Terrence Crawford fights in the beginning of his career people aren't you know they they don't take him seriously and I think Indongo is that guy in this fight you know they people don't realize how good he is I like this fight not only is it historical from the perspective that the winner of this fight's going to walk away clearly uh, cleaning out the uh, junior welterweight division but I, I think it's going to be better than people think. What's your thoughts on the fight and the outcome? 
Well, you know, on the main event, you're absolutely right. Remember, it wasn't really that long ago. Terrence Crawford was more or less in this situation. Exactly. When he went over and he fought Ricky Burns. I know. Well, even before that, he was brought in as an opponent a couple of times. When we break down that fight later in the week, I'll, I'll get to all of that. But he was actually the B-side on the first couple of times we saw him. And all of a sudden, and you're right, the, the last time they finally threw in the towel and said, wait a minute, this guy's the A-side, was the Ricky Burns fight. Yeah, and even in the Ricky Burns fight, you know, and, and Dongo as well was brought over as an opponent. But, um, you know, in, in terms of uh, Terrence Crawford, we know the story on him. There's not much to say about him, you know, so th there's nothing that we um, – Need, you know, everybody here knows about Terrence Crawford. Everybody in boxing knows about Terrence Crawford. You know, the you know he's he's an orthodox fighter. Um, he does his best work as a southpaw. Uh, when he is a southpaw, he's he's the most devastating puncher. You know, at least for him, he's a genuine top five pound for pound fighter. He's a unified WBC WBO champion. Uh, he's bringing he's brought pretty much boxing. You know, back to his hometown of Omaha. You know, Julius and Dango. Now, this guy's a mystery for most people. Yes, he's a unified uh, WBA, IBO, IBF champion. But until last December, when he went out there and, you know, he had that uh, first round destruction in Russia, brought in as the opponent over um, um, Edward uh, Trojevansky, nobody knew who he was. And again, he was brought over um, in June to face... Ricky Burns in Scotland, once again, he was the unknown. But you know what? He went out there and he won. But really, you know, other than a little bit of footage here and there, there's not much on Ndongo. And in my, in my opinion, that sort of gives him an advantage. But I'll be honest, I can't remember the last time, maybe you can help me, that a unified world champion was so unknown throughout the sport. Um, you mean... You mean the if Ndongo wins? If on no, if, just period. When was the last unified world champion that was so such a mystery throughout the whole sport as Ndongo is right now to I, fans? I, I I don't I think you're right. You know because really Ndongo got you know more recognition from his last fight when he beat Ricky Burns. I mean when you think about it, um, uh, you know that that actually he he also has the. Uh, uh, the IBO title, which they're not mentioning, but you know, so really, yes, there's, that's there's, right, yes, really, there's five belts on the line. Uh, but uh, you know, he beat uh, Edwin Troyansky uh, for the uh, IBF and IBO uh, titles uh, in uh, December of last year, and then the Ricky Burns fight was the last one. When you look uh, throughout his resume, I mean, he did fight Kaiser Mabuza, but a lot of other names are are unknown because of where he fights. So. I think this is a guy that kind of busted onto the scene because of his win over Ricky Burns. So really, I, I think he's an extremely dangerous opponent for uh, Terrence Crawford because of the fact that, you know, he's, uh, he's such a mystery. In some of the fights I've seen him in, you know, it doesn't seem like he does anything special. He doesn't have any special footwork. His power doesn't seem to be overly hard. Um, when he jabs, he kind of lunges in. He swings his hooks wide, but, you know, he, he has a high work rate. And for some reason, what I noticed, other than, uh, you know, his one-round knockout over uh, Tr Trojanvansky, is 
when he hits guys, even with that straight stiff jab, they seem to gain this respect for him. You know, they sort of go into a survival mode type issue. You know, on paper, this looks like a very easy fight for Terrence Crawford, but Terrence Crawford can start slow. And, you know, it does take him a few rounds to warm up. And when he's doing that, we have seen him get hit a few times. But, and, you know, uh, Crawford, you know, he has a durable chin. You know, you know, Crawford, he's definitely the superior fighter. But really what I think is the most intriguing thing here for me is, as we stated, the mystery surrounding Ndongo and the fact that even though he's not really a big power puncher other than one or two fights, he does make guys respect him with those punches. So, you know, what we could end up happening here is we could end up seeing some sort of shootout where Terrence Crawford has to go in there and say, you know what? If I move around all night, I may end up being caught with one of these guys' punches. I'm going to have to stay inside. I'm going to have to shoot it out with this guy. And on the other hand, most of all, what, to me, what makes this fight most intriguing is Ndongo has everything to lose, Bill. This is a guy who's 34 years old. He just burst onto the scene in December. And then his biggest fight actually took place in June against Ricky Burns. He can't lose. He comes from uh, uh, Nambia. Uh, you know, it's not exactly a hotbed of boxing. He doesn't have a big promoter to help him get right back on the pedestal into big fights. You know, at 34 years old, with no fan following, without a big promoter behind you, losing is not an option. So I'm going to be on the edge of my seat for the first four rounds of this fight, saying to myself, you know, if Crawford is forced to move backwards... At any point in time in those first four rounds, we know it's going to be an exciting fight. But if Crawford comes forward and he starts to, you know, uh, take control of the tempo within the first two rounds, it's going to be a dominant fight for Crawford. But those first three or four rounds is really going to be a nail-biter. You know, Dax, the thing is, is you know, uh, Terrence Crawford seems like a taller fighter, to, you know, every time he fights, but he's going to be giving up height in this fight. And I think it's going to boil down to in Dongo's boxing ability, because Crawford, like you suggest, you know, has a tendency to give up the first couple of rounds. He feels out his opponent, then he breaks him down and goes in for the kill, which is what I love about the guy. Do you think that in Dongo really, and, and by the way, he's a southpaw as well. Um, I think it's going to, the pressure on his boxing skill is going to be the difference in this fight. If he can keep Terrence Crawford at a distance that, it helps him and Ndongo although he's uh several inches taller he's only got an inch and a half armored reach if he can do that then maybe it's a different fight and then when you add the fact that he's a southpaw although Crawford has been known to switch during a fight but um I, I don't know I, I think he, he's a mystery as far as being having in, in a position to have to win you know when you think about where he comes from and everything else this fight win or lose is going to set him up financially I would think you know, but whether or not it sets him up financially, that's that's not the point. The point on that is, you know, the guy's a fighter. He, you know, he's just reached the highest point of his career, and it's literally only been nine months. You don't want the highest point of your career to last nine months. You know, even if you get, you know, uh, even if you know, even if he did make a good showing in this fight and impress fans, his career wouldn't be over. But you know, this guy cannot go out there and get blown out. He can't have a Victor Postal type moment. He needs to go out there and do well. And I think, you know, when somebody is going out there and they know this is all on the line that changes things a lot and sometimes that heart can over you know that heart can do amazing things even against a superior fighter 
Yeah, well, I mean, uh, do you think Terrence Crawford has taken him lightly? Because when I opened up the show today, I, I, I felt that the worst thing Terrence Crawford could do is take this guy lightly because that's, that's seemingly what has happened to him, to him in the past. People don't know of him. They take him lightly as just being a sacrificial lamb, and he comes out on top. I mean, you know, uh, he is uh, a fighter that uh, has yet to uh, uh, lose. He's 22-0. and 0, So uh, do you think uh, Crawford has taken him lightly? I think Crawford's smarter than that. You know, I think if Terrence Crawford just goes out there and does what Terrence Crawford does, and if he had seen any footage, which I'm sure he did at least see the Ricky Burns fight, and um, he, he did see the fight against Edward over in Russia, so those right there is enough to tell Terrence Crawford, listen, I need to take this guy serious. You know, Crawford isn't exactly, you know, the type of guy that just goes out there carelessly. His, you know, his getting caught by punches early, that's more or less his style, in my opinion, you know, as, as he's, uh, you know, figuring his opponent out. This time, though, maybe he might be a little bit smarter. And this isn't the first time he's faced the guy, the size of Mandongo, with that uh, advantage. Remember, Postal was another guy who had quite a, uh, an advantage in height and in reach over him. So look for it much to be the same, except Crawford to be a little bit more leery of the power. Um, you, uh, you, you're interested in the undercard that's going to be, uh, streamed, uh, online and, and, you know, first and foremost, the, uh, heavyweight matchup between, uh, Bryant Jennings and Daniel Martz. Um, you know, Jennings has been out for a while, so I guess we can't be too critical of that, but this is a guy that's always been in fantastic shape. He's coming off that devastating knockout loss to, uh, Luis Ortiz, uh, he's been out for a while. He's now with uh, top rank, and uh, uh, he's uh, facing Daniel Martz, the, ma the mountain. Uh, he's a big guy, but very, very limited skill set-wise. Um, I'm anticipating uh, Bryant Jennings to uh, come out and, and take care of business quickly in this fight. Um, assuming that he does, what's next for him? And, and is this just a, hey, let's get you a W kind of fight? I mean, is there any rumblings about who might be uh, taking on Jennings in the near future? There's three fights. What makes this card most intriguing overall, in my opinion, Bill, is that there's several fights on this card that have more to do with the careers of these fighters than it actually does, you know, with just the fight and the card itself. You know, starting, you know, real quick, we'll just go over to, you know, the Vodzik versus Craig Baker. Vodzik is teetering. People want to see this guy step up. We've only seen one chink in his armor, and that was a flash knockdown against Tommy Karpensky in the first round when he walked in with his hands down. Since then, he's destroyed guys, uh, you know, Uniseki Gonzalez, he has uh, he uh, stopped Isaac Chalemba, something that Sergey Kovalev couldn't do. And, you know, so people are looking for somebody else to step up and make things more exciting with the Nathan Cleverly and the uh, Dimitri Bivol has had to step inside for uh, Nathan Cleverly and Badeau Jack to take place on the undercard of the Mayweather and McGregor fight. So, you know, this is a guy right here, if, you know, he looks good against Craig Baker, which I think he's going to blast Craig Baker out. This is a guy who hasn't fought anybody until about three fights ago with a winning record. You know, and this, all of a sudden, that, you know, that matters to the light heavyweight division, especially because Arthur Peter Biev has a big fight coming up in a couple months. You know, as for um, Brian Jennings against uh, Martz, you know, this is something right here, in my opinion. Brian Jennings needs to look spectacular. Brian Jennings had a good showing against Vladimir Klitschko, but that was at the very tail end of Vladimir's career and the last win of Vladimir's career. So we understand there, you know what, Vladimir wasn't quite motivated and he wasn't the Vladimir Klitschko that uh, you know that we've known over the years. So that kind of takes a little luster off of that, especially when you get brutalized 
by Luis Ortiz the way that uh, Brian Jennings is did. You know, where's his mindset? Mart's, you know, he's six, seven and a half. He has some pop, but he has a soft chin. His best wins over uh, Alexis Santos and Ruben Williams. Ruben Williams is a guy who's for everybody, but you know what? Ruben's not a genuine heavyweight. Remember, Ruben Williams started out as a, a super middleweight. So, you know, his record, his best wins are kind of deceiving on there. Brian Jennings, he's lost two big guys. He's going to be the undersized guy here. You know, he's been out of the ring for going on 19 months now. Where's his head? How's he going to do if he gets hit? Jennings, if he does not look spectacular against the guy of this caliber, might as well just write him off because, you know what, he's not going to be considered or even discussed among mainstream fans as, you know, a top 10, top 20, even top 30 heavyweight. Let me let me just add this about Daniel March. He may be six foot seven, and he is. He's a tall kid. But his build is, is actually smaller than Jennings. Jennings is going to look bigger. Yeah, yeah. Jennings is actually going to look bigger you know, girth-wise, you know, shoulder-to-shoulder-wise, uh, except for the height. And we all know that the one thing that I've always loved about Brian Jennings, and I think it's hard to not love about this guy, is he's always in great shape. He, he's a guy that has never seemed to tire. You know, I've always, when I watched Brian Jennings fight, I always say, well, he's going to probably run out of gas as the rounds go on, and he doesn't. You know, he's a gym rat. He runs endless miles. He just doesn't get tired. But his weakness is the fact that he's technically a very small heavyweight in a world of heavyweights that are monsters. But like you, I don't think he's going to have much trouble with Daniel Martz. He he has a very suspect chin. And uh, when Jennings lands, he does land uh, pretty solidly. So I'm not seeing that as much of a... As as much of a fight, but I, I'm not sure who the opponent who the opponents are for uh, Alvarado, Walters, Shakur Stevenson, and and Mike Reed. Start off with Alvarado. Who's he facing? Alvarado, off the top of my head, I forget who he's facing. Uh, you know, you have to forgive me. I only uh, was going to break down these fights. Uh, the ones we discussed uh, earlier. As far as Jennings, I didn't think that he's not going to win. It's just he has to look spectacular in his win. Well, no, he has ha for, he has been out for quite a while. I mean, he's got to right, have some but kind yeah, of when you lose two back to back and you've been out that long, Bill. We know this is a sport with a short memory, and the fans are unforgiving. And you have to look spectacular when you come off two losses. You mentioned the guy earlier, Uriorcus Gamboa. He had two back to back losses, and he fought a guy he didn't look very good against. And all of a sudden, you know what? Gamboa's done. Gamboa's washed up. Gamboa's past his prime. Same thing can happen to Brian Jennings. Yes or no? No. I listen. If he looks like Gamboa, if he looks like Gamboa, put a fork in him, but I doubt it. I, Gamboa kind of started looking bad and bad and bad. And, um, you know, I, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, did, now, did, did, now, you, did you look at Walter's opponent at all? Yes, Nicholas Walter's. Another guy fought on the same card that we were at the same night that Brian Jennings was stopped by Luis Ortiz. That was the night that Nicholas Walter's had fought Jason Sosa. On a Saturday, he's going to fight Arturo Reyes, you know, who's, who's a tough guy. You know, Walters, there's another guy. Talk about falling far from grace against Jason Sosa. I actually gave that fight to Sosa. 
you know, um, you know, it was a majority draw, which it was rather generous. Nicholas Walters looked horrible that night, and then he gets, you know, he quits in his corner against his fight against Lomachenko. You know, Nicholas Walters wasn't seemed like didn't seem like it was too long ago that Nicholas Walters was really being considered as possibly another fight or two. This guy could be, uh, you know, enter that pound for pound list somewhere near the bottom, but you know, Nicholas Walters. We've seen some, that was the first night we've really seen the chinks in his armor. In the past, uh, Miguel Mariaja, a durable fighter, the, another uh, former Lomachenko opponent. Jason Sosa, a durable, tough fighter, another former Lomachenko opponent. Two guys that Walters also faced, two guys that Walters wasn't able to stop. Walters' real career and real um, hype has been built off those sensational knockouts of Victor Chinian and Nonito Donaire. But, you know, Nicholas Walters always seems that he gets discouraged around the seventh or eighth round when his power isn't coming through and he starts to gas a little bit. Arturo Reyes is that type of guy that will make him do that. He has a little less skill than a mariage and certainly a lot less skill than a Jason Sosa, but he has a better chin. In his eight losses, he's never been stopped, and he's been in there with some good guys. He's been in there with Simpawi Vidyaka. He's been in there with Avril Maris. He's been in there with Tevin Farmer. He's been in there with Alberto Guava. You know, champions, veterans, uh, uh, very solid uh, respect the journeyman some have some good pop so even if he wins and i do expect walters to win you know once again just like brian jennings if he doesn't look spectacular nicholas walters is never going to be able to shake off what happened inside that lomachenko fight so you know this is a fight that's imperative for nicholas walters to look sensational to get back into that mix and even be considered as a possible main eventer again or even somebody that will be on a card of this level again i agree with you about walters I think that Jennings, uh, you know, his only losses, uh, well, aside from the Luis Ortiz loss, you know, the only loss came uh, against very big guys, and he's just a small heavyweight. I would love to see Jennings go into the cruiserweight division uh, if he can, which I would think he could, especially now with the World uh, Boxing Super Series really bringing uh, the cruiserweights to light, and I think that they're going to be really uh, in the forefront uh, after this tournament is over based on who's fighting who. But uh, I 100% agree with you about Nicholas Walters because of the gift that he got uh, and then that, that quitting against Lomachenko. I, I think that's the reason we haven't seen him. I, I think that there was just such a backlash against him uh, for that. And, you know, the way he just gave up, I, I mean, uh, you know, the frustration, I mean, it was similar to the frustration of, of Roberto Duran and, and Sugar Ray Leonard. But the difference is Duran was always such a warrior and fought so many, uh, you know, other great fighters. And uh, Nicholas Walters hadn't, you know. And, uh, I mean, he fought some tough guys, but and then all of a sudden he disappears. So I, I'm with you there. He's, he's in a must-win and must-look-great uh, scenario. You know, comparing that to Duran is, you know, I understand what you were trying to do. And, uh, you know, that's something that's been discussed over the years. But, you know, I, I was discussing this with, with an old timer the other day. And a lot of that no mas is, is the, even though it has haunted Duran so long, it's the only time that Roberto Duran ever showed that he wasn't this warrior. You know, and it, almost in a way, this old guy was telling me, that was almost more of an insult to Sugar Ray Leonard than it was to Roberto Duran, if people actually think about it. You know, when B Roberto Duran throws his hands up and he, you know, turned around, he says, no mas. It's almost like he was saying, you know what, I came to fight like a man. I didn't come, you know, to run around the ring like a sissy. You don't want to fight like a man, I'm leaving, because you know what, I fight men, I don't fight dancers. No, I didn't, and I agree with uh, that. And and that's, and that's 
why I put at the end, you know, I mean, he's such a warrior, you know. Uh, Nicholas Walters, that's not the case with him. You know, people are looking at – my point is is people don't really look at Roberto Duran as a quitter. Anybody that knows the sport doesn't look at Duran as a quitter, even though the no Moss fight, he literally quit. But but, uh, Nicholas Walters, on the other hand, that's all that's in my mind is that he just he quit because he was being uh, you know out out he was being destroyed he was looking foolish for, against Lomachenko but right. Nicholas Walters possesses that one punch knockout power which should have kept him going but uh, no no I no way did I try to compare the two. No, I, I I was just th- throwing that in there, especially because Roberto Duran, what he accomplished after Nomas, um, you know, going and beating guys that. Um, beat guys that beat him, you know, for example, you know, he goes out there and he beats an Iran Barkley after Iran Barkley knocks out the guy uh, in Tommy Hearns who knocked Roberto Duran out cold. There's the difference in the caliber of fighter. But the other fight I wanted to talk about was the Dillian White against the Malcolm Tan fight, which again, is something that's very interesting in my opinion, considering all the talk that's been surrounding Dillian White, Eddie Hearn, and the call-outs and the, and, uh, the public um, claims against Deontay Wilder where Deontay Wilder wouldn't take 3 million, 3.5, and 4 million. You know, Dillian White's coming over to face a Malcolm Tan, a 38-year-old veteran who, he actually had eight or nine years off. He's only fought twice since 2007. Now, how's uh, Dillian White going to adjust here? He's coming here to America for the very first time. Uh, There's a good chance that there's going to be a lot of Wilder supporters in the audience, even though Wilder's not from Nebraska. You know, there's going to, you know, this is Wilder's home country, and Deontay Wilder himself may show up. You know, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Dillian White, and how's he going to react? You know, in my opinion, it seems to me that Dillian White and Eddie Hearn are coming here, and they're using Malcolm Tan, similar in the way that a Thomas Adamak used um, Kevin McBride, or Michael Grant in route to facing Vitaly Klitschko, wanting to show size doesn't matter, you know. We, uh, but in, in the case of Adamek versus Klitschko, it did anyways. But you know, how is this going to really play out? In your opinion, do you think Dillian White will do if he comes here and all of a sudden he has a hostile crowd and Deontay Wilder should happen to be in attendance? I don't think it's going to. I think that they're bringing Dillian White here, um, you know, to do to do just like what you suggest, you know. Uh, introduce him to the U.S. fans, possibly be a, an, an opponent for for Deontay Wilder. I don't. I think he's going to perform like he always does. Um, he's a more refined Derek Chisora, really. I mean, you know, he's uh, he's still uh, uh, he's still learning. I think. I, I don't think you know he's uh, polished. Um, but uh, you know, Deontay Wilder. That you know, we talked about this fight. I, it, there's more. Deontay Wilder is running out of these kinds of opponents, and I'm not suggesting Dillian White is an easy opponent for Deontay, but Deontay Wilder has gotten himself into a position, Dax, where he has to fight a, a, a substantial opponent at this point. The guy pounds his chest, says he's the best. Now he's saying everybody's ducking him and all of this BS. The truth of the matter is, is he needs to fight one of those top guys. And I, I guess the sad truth is that Dillian White is one of those top guys. But uh, I think that in Wilder's case and the way that his management does things, they try to get the maximum revenue for the least uh, amount of fight. And unfortunately, I think the money that he can make to fight Anthony Joshua supersedes 
uh, a stepping stone fight, even if he can make substantial money, I think that Dillian White is dangerous. Anybody that can hit is is dangerous for Deontay Wilder. Now, also, but think about this, though. Malcolm Tan, despite the layoffs, despite he's only fought twice in seven or eight years, and he's 38 years old, he did just beat a young, undefeated Nicholas Asbury last October before losing to the Russian slugger, um, Sergei uh, Kuzman, in June. You know, Asbury is similar in age and size to Dillian White. And in the heavyweight division, we know anything can happen, especially when a guy stands six foot six and has an 80-inch reach. And he's faced names in the past like Chris Ariola and um, I think uh, Dmitrienko when they were both still relevant. So an upset could happen. You know, and gosh forbid if that would uh, take place, that would really talk about setting uh, uh, setting back Dillian White's plans and even Eddie Hearn's plans, you know, uh, as a case for the Wilder bout, where even, um, you know, it could kind of make an excuse on why would they fight the Anthony Joshua, considering Anthony Joshua was stunned and rocked by a guy that just got knocked out by a 38-year-old journeyman who hasn't fought in almost a decade. I think that, um, I, I think that, to be honest with you, I think that Dillian White is being uh, primed and set for a a possible matchup with the uh, Joseph Parker, Huey Fury winner. And then if you could get Dillian White a belt, then the domestic matchup between him and Anthony Joshua becomes much more feasible. I I really believe, Dax, that... um, that uh, Deontay Wilder's being left out here. And and listen, hold that thought. I'm going to take a short break uh, because I'm over my time here. Hold that thought. We are going to take a short break. When we come back, Dax will respond to that and maybe some other things we'll get to him do. So uh, don't go anywhere. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that that's my face. I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And where? back you're watching and listening to the billy c show don't forget to join us for our weekend yeah you know mcgregor's fighting mayweather and most of us uh, true boxing fans uh, are laughing at this fight and and most fans that i talk to aren't even watching it a lot of mma fans are but uh, hey we want you to hang out with us for that weekend yeah we're going to show the fight we're going to show the fight but not only will you get to hang out with sal and myself uh, but former world champions uh, Marlon Starling, Bobby Chez, and Mike Weaver all are going to be there. Renowned trainer Sherman Henson will be working out Sal Rocky Senecola. That's right. He'll be hitting the mitts and uh, working out. He's even, Sal's actually getting in shape now. Uh, you wonder why he's not here today. He's out running. He's working on his, his bow flex. All this stuff he's telling me he's getting ready uh, to uh, put on a show. So not only do you get to do that, you get to meet and greet. You're going to eat some food. We'll also be eating at South's. We'll do a little golf outing too, play golf with the guys. And uh, the best part, aside from showing the, the fights, uh, is uh, we're going to give you a sneak peek at our new boxing series called Billy C's Boxing Revisited. It's going to begin airing in the fall on the networks, but 
we are going to show you uh, at least one episode, maybe two, in its entirety uh, on, the, on the big screen on, uh, uh, over that weekend. So be part of it. Come on down, uh, visit cpoms.com, or just visit our website, uh, billycboxing.com, and click on the CPOMS banner. Uh, give them a call and tell them you want uh, all the info on the Billy C special. They have several packages, includes uh, meals and all that stuff. Uh, you guys uh, will love it. So come on down. If you're going to come, drop me an email. Let me know uh, when you're coming into town, and I'll hang out with you. Billy at Talkin Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. We're here with Dax Khan. And, Dax, before we went to break, uh, we were talking about uh, uh, the possibility, at least I thought, that the possibility of uh, a potential matchup between uh, Dillian White and the winner of uh, – uh, of Huey Fury and Joseph Parker might be able to set up a, a fight between uh, Anthony Joshua uh, and that winner uh, for another belt. But but I also uh, was saying that Deontay Wilder has kind of pounded his chest out of the mix. It seems like he is the least coveted heavyweight right now. What's your thoughts? I, I absolutely agree with you. In fact, what I think will happen more than likely, you know, um, you know, UK, those guys over there are smarter than the American fans want to give them credit for. Aside from Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor, which is really only such a big fight because of the combination of the MMA fans and, uh, you know, the boxing fans. And a lot of the boxing fans, as you stated earlier, are kind of turning against it. But Anthony Joshua against Huey Fury, should Huey Fury defeat Joseph Parker for that WBO title inside Wembley or one of the other big arenas over there would potentially be the hugest heavyweight fight, heavyweight title fight that we've had in 30 years in terms of sales and in terms of uh, revenue and pay-per-view. You know, they have pay-per-view over there, guys. Guess what? The UK has pay-per-view and they do very well over there and they sell more on their pay-per-view than a lot of the pay-per-views here do. You know, they sold more for Klitschko and Joshua than they did for Mayweather versus Pacquiao. And, you know, they get more views in the other ways. So that could actually be the super fight. And again, like you stated, Deontay Wilder can find himself being the man out and then kicking himself later on saying, I should have took this fight against Dillian White because now what am I left with? I'm left with the same old recycled things over and over again. Or you know what might happen? There might be the second or actually the third time that Brian Jennings gets himself a world title fight. But that's basically how it's going to end up, in my opinion. Well, you know, uh, Deontay Wilder, <coughs> excuse me, Deontay Wilder is now uh, pounding his chest saying everyone's afraid of him. You know, so all his uh, fans, followers, whatever, uh, you know, they're buying into that crap. The sad part of that whole scenario you mentioned is Huey Fury. Because no disrespect to Huey Fury, but in my opinion, he doesn't even deserve to be fighting for a world title. And neither did Joseph Parker, for that matter. But it is what it is. They, they, Parker's got the title. you know. And to uh, have such a big fight between Anthony Joshua and Huey Fury. Huey Fury, if he would have climbed the ranks the way... I believe fighters should climb the ranks and, and fight stiffer, stiffer opposition every time out. He would have developed into something. He had the injury, uh, you know, that set him back. He, he, he had a, a comeback kind of a fight uh, recently, and he's going to step in there with Joseph Parker, and he does have a chance of, of upsetting the apple cart there. But Joseph, I mean, uh, Anthony Joshua right now 
has some big fights that uh, you could conceivably match him up with, Dax, and, and one being, of course, Deontay Wilder, and the other one being Luis Ortiz. And Cuba Pulov isn't a bad fight either, considering Pulov and Ortiz are two mandatories uh, for, uh, for the two belts. So, I mean, you know, you could see him do uh, one of those fights, and I just think that all of the powers that be would accept Anthony Joshua to fight Deontay Wilder now and even if they didn't I think this is a case where Anthony Joshua versus Deontay Wilder is a bigger fight than the sanctioning bodies and any sanctioning body and specifically the WBA or the IBF that would strip Anthony Joshua of the belt for not fighting uh, Luis Ortiz or Cuba Pulov uh, respectively um is foolish, uh, you know, and I don't see it happening. That's the fight that Deontay could make a ton of money on. That's the fight Anthony Joshua can make a ton of money on. And that's the fight that at the end, the guy who's up winning, the guy who ends up winning, would be regarded, whether there were belts on the line or not, as the heavyweight champion of the world. That's my thoughts. Well, anyway, you know what? It's all about a power play and everybody who wants to, you know, wants to have things their own way. Deontay Wilder, why he's a talented guy, and I believe he's a very good heavyweight. He doesn't get a lot of the credit he respects because, again, he doesn't step up his levels of opposition. And when he does, you know, the, the PBC fights, he's making decent money, but he's not making the huge money like you stated. He wouldn't make the money that he would have with Dillian White. You know, something, though, Anthony, Anthony Joshua... He has continuously stepped up his level of competition. At times, Deontay Wilder has regressed back. In boxing, there's an A side and there's a B side for a reason. Deontay Wilder is the B side. People are under the, you know, and I argue continuously. Right now, America is the B side of boxing, period. Forget Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor, okay? That's more of a circus. That's more of an event. It's not really a fight of relevance. You know, outside of the Crawford and Dongo fight coming up this weekend, outside of the Triple G and Canelo fight and the Marriage Santa Cruz rematch set um, for later on this year, understand this. The American boxing scene is, you know, it's there's a U.S. invasion more or less. Triple G is not even a U.S. promoted fighter. Uh, the Superfly card coming up in um, September 9th with uh, Roman Gonzalez, uh, Rung Vasi 2, Anui Quadras, Juan Francisco Estrada. They're all Tycan fighters. We have a U.S. invasion with Jorge Linares and Luke Campbell in September in Inglewood for the WBA title. Uh, we have some of the su uh, World Boxing Super Series fights coming here. Dortico's uh, Kudushov is coming here. Uh, Arthur Bidabad versus uh, er Eric uh, Coelling in Vegas. Neither one of those guys are American fighters. Uh, one of the other big fights in October is going to be over in the UK, and that's the George Groves and uh, Jamie Cox card. Um, we have the uh, the End Dam and Moira Rota rematch. You know, so guess what? American boxing is really lacking, and even the ones that are coming here, they're taking over. And right now, America is pretty much thriving on Floyd Mayweather versus Conor McGregor. When that's done, what do you have left after that? You have Andre Ward, who's probably not going to fight again until 2029 because he stubbed his toe. After that, you have yourself Tank Davis, which is some guy that follows me on Twitter who insists Tank Davis can beat anybody. Matter of fact, the day of um, Salvador Sanchez, uh, the anniversary of his death, the guy's sitting there for some reason inboxing me, telling me how Tank Davis is going to sit there and he would have beat Sanchez inside of a round. This is the American boxing scene, and it's taking place everywhere else. So Deontay Wilder, Bill, 
in regardless of what your opinion is, Deontay Wilder needs to go someplace else or he's just going to be another Adonis Stevenson. They might as well fight. They should have made that on the undercard of Floyd Mayweather versus Conor McGregor because that's a joke as well. Might as well make everything a joke. I agree with everything you said. I mean, uh, the truth of the matter is is that uh, Deontay Wilder has never fought a, a, a quality heavyweight. The only guy that we give him credit for beating which at the time we thought was a quality heavyweight, was Berman Stavern when he won the title. We've all come to realize that Berman Stavern is not a quality heavyweight, and no one else on his resume is. You know, at, at the, the best fight on Deontay Wilder's resume is a Tor Spitzka, in my opinion, uh, you know, and, and he laid him out. The difference with Deontay Wilder and, like, Huey Fury uh, is that Deontay does have the punching power. Uh, but uh, he steps in there with a, with a real fighter, especially Anthony. Anthony Joshua is the best heavyweight in the world today. But you are so right about all the, the fights that you name. Yeah, there, listen, the biggest, you know, as proof to me, and you and I both love the World Boxing Super Series, and most boxing fans do. I happen to love the cruiserweight division, and I'm glad and the super middleweight division is, is exciting, too. And I'm glad that Richard Schaefer and uh, Ringstar Sports are bringing us a tournament that features these weight classes. And not only that, but they feature the world champions of these weight classes, which really speaks volumes to me. And it also is pretty obvious that the fighters involved are willing to fight what has happened to the American fighters and the and simple fact that there's no American fighters in the World Boxing Super Series, the willingness for fighters outside the U.S. to actually fight in real fights, putting everything on the line, is what blows my mind away because it's clear that when you look at the United States-based fighters, these guys are all about safety first, so much so that they won't even enter a tournament like this. And that is what I can't understand that boxing fans support. And I can't understand that a young fan today would make a statement like, well, uh, so-and-so is good, so he doesn't, he's better than, than uh, you know, Joe, Joe Schmo, so he doesn't have to fight him. They have been brainwashed. They've been brainwashed to think that a fighter with an undefeated record is good and therefore, they don't even have to fight another guy, which is which is a joke to me. The U.S. fighters have proven that safety first is their main goal. And I'll tell you what, that's why the sport of professional boxing is becoming so popular outside the U.S. They may want to come here to fight. And maybe because of the, the, uh, the pay-per-view pool, and like you suggest, they make a lot of money elsewhere too. But uh, it's pretty sad to see that the uh, majority of quality fighters are non-U.S. fighters. Even the ones that are based here, just look at it, we'll end it here. Outside of Terrence Crawford and outside of Errol Spence, in my opinion, those are the last two American fighters that will fight anybody, anywhere, anytime. Floyd Mayweather is retired, but you know Floyd Mayweather McGregor is not even two boxers. It's a it's a boxer versus an uh, MMA guy. But Conor McGregor, he's not American, even though he fights here. He's not American. Um, Triple G and Canelo, the next big fight. Guess what? Neither one of those guys are American fighters. Nobody on this Superfly card is an American fighter, and every other fight card that's involved with these other guys 
guys from America that are big names, their opponents, guess what? These big names aren't happening without an opponent from somewhere else. Where are these American fights happening between these American fighters? How far has boxing fallen in America? And why has that happened, in my personal opinion, is because of reasons like you were stating before. And a lot of people are stating, not just me, but you know what it is. It's that everybody has to have some sort of an advantage and some sort of an angle. And things have to be exactly in their favor. Andre Ward, who should right now be the American fighter. He should be the top guy. He should have taken over for uh, where Floyd Mayweather left off. But Andre Ward can't draw anything. And why is that? Because he's so inactive and any little thing he looks for to cancel a, a, a fight. So you know what? People forget about him. And when he does fight, it's almost like a leap year. So now that, that's the American boxing scene. Whatever happened to the guys fighting anybody, anywhere, anytime? Well, what happened is it's simple. It's, it's, it's Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather's success and the way Floyd Mayweather did his career Everybody's trying to copy. And Andre Ward is the first guy on that list. Andre Ward, you can't take anything away from Andre Ward because when he fought in the Super 6, he fought everybody. And, you know, six years later, he fought the guy who, uh, you know, was regarded as the best uh, light heavyweight in Sergey Kovalev and beat him. So, I, I mean, you know, it is what it is. But I agree with you. Uh, Andre Ward's biggest problem is he can't draw flies to a garbage convention, uh, but yet he negotiates and acts like he's, you know, as famous and as uh, uh, known in the sports world as, as Floyd Mayweather, and he's not. Uh, so I agree with, basically I agree with everything you say. Uh, the U.S. fighters uh, really are, uh, it's a shame that they're not willing to fight anybody, and if they are, they're with a team that won't let them fight anybody. And, and that's something else we got to point out, Dax, that the fighters really, uh, in most cases, will want to fight anybody. And then their management slash promotion slash whoever, um, you know, gets in their ear and talks them out. And, and I honestly, as much as I'm so critical of Deontay Wilder, and this is the sad part, I, I think that Deontay Wilder does truly believe he's that good. And that he does want to fight anybody. And I think that, thankfully for him, that his management just realizes that this guy is, you know, uh, basically uh, Harder Day Fall main character Toro. You know, I mean, this is just a guy that has been built up and, and they're just trying to get the most money out of him before he goes tumbling down. And there's another reason why they should make the Anthony Joshua fight. He should be able to get 8 to $10 million for that fight and fight over in England and should he win, the guy is going to be, uh, you know, making gazillions. If he loses, at least everybody cashes out with a nice chunk of change. I don't know. I think Deontay Wilder is, I give him a whole lot more credit than what you do in terms of his ability. But with the one thing that has hurt him is what we have seen with a lot of fighters is his level of opponents don't increase. So, you know, you start becoming comfortable, and then once you get put into that dangerous situation, you don't know how to react because you've never had that adversity, and that's the biggest issue with Deontay Wilder. He's never had to, uh, to overcome that adversity, and one day he's going to have to overcome that adversity, and unfortunately that adversity is going to come against one of these showcase opponents, and that's usually when the guy ends up getting knocked out and ending up embarrassed by getting beaten by a guy that they should have and would have on any other night beat, but you know what? They were just not prepared for that moment, and they got shell-shocked, much like a Lucien Boutte against uh, Carl Froch. Lucien was doing great. He had some moments, but he never dealt with something like a Carl Froch, and you know, what happened is it ended his career. We see it happen 
happen all the time, and unfortunately, that's what's going to happen with Deontay Wilder. Hopefully, he makes himself some money in the meantime. Well, he certainly is against the ropes here, Dax, because Deontay Wilder has to fight a legitimate heavyweight next. I think he knows it. I think his team knows it. You know, the networks are looking for it for whoever he would uh, want to, uh, you know, be broadcast on. You know, he's not going to be able to get away with one of these saps, you know. Uh, he is the WBC champion. I don't even know who the number one WBC guy is is ranked, uh, but, uh, you know, that he could get. Uh, well, Berman Stavern is trying to get uh, the fight with him, which, you know, he could he could hide behind. Well, I'm being forced to fight Stavern, you know, but, uh you know, that's just another uh, fight that, that will not show us anything. And and remember, the best performance that Deontay has had in his whole career was his fight against Berman Stavern. In that fight, he displayed that he can box. He listened to Mark Breland, and he, uh, you know, he put on a, a, a good show in terms of boxing ability. But what he shows in his other fights is that when they put him in with a cupcake, he his main goal is to knock the guy out. And I think that that's a dangerous habit to get into. When you underestimate or take an opponent or know that your opponent is not going to last, that you go in there trying to uh, knock him out. Because we all know in the heavyweight division, any heavyweight can knock any other heavyweight out at any time. You know, when do you draw that? When do you flip that switch? If Deontay Wilder did step in the ring with a guy like Ortiz, even Pulov, uh, or even uh, Anthony Joshua or Dillian White, like you suggest, how's he going to fight him? Is he going to fight him smart? Uh, does he remember how to fight smart? It's been several years since he fought Stavern. I don't know. There's a lot of question marks. He's, you know, and, and you're 100% right about Anthony Joshua. He's fought, and he's fought uh, better and better opposition every time out. He's getting better. He's moving up. He's improving. He's learning from his mistakes and his tests. Deontay hasn't. What's he learned? You know, I, I just, I, I see Deontay Wilder as a paper champion. I really do. Look at the, remember when he fought the drummer boy uh, with uh, Molina? Yeah, Eric Molina. Yeah, remember, uh, you know, um, he was in the corner. He was trying to do the shoulder roll, fight off the ropes. And, you know, even though he ended up winning that fight, you know, he got buzzed a few times. And Molina's not exactly even a B-level fighter. What about so, do yeah, a pause Deontay too? Remember do a pause? Yeah, Duopas, you know, there was a guy, again, you know, Duopas, that, that's funny, you know, the, with uh, Crawford and Dongo coming this weekend, you know, Duopas was kind of like that, you know, a guy nobody had anything idea about, he was expected to get blown out in, in one round, and all of a sudden, you know something, he gives Deontay Wilder hell, you know, it, it's these guys, and that's more or less, you know, the focal point of what we were saying, it's these guys you know nothing about, and you think you're going to go in there, and this is going to be a showcase for you, and these are the guys that end up the ones really uh, doing the damage, either giving you the hardest fight of your life, or the ones that end up actually beating you and derailing your train. Uh, yeah, well, you know, this is why, Dax, I know you and I have talked about this a million times, but I, this is why... The management and promoters of these young fighters aren't helping them by coddling them. Unfortunately, and, and you know, if I put my promoter hat back on, I understand why they do it from a monetary point of view and for a network. Because let's face it, the television network guys that approve the fights and make the deals don't know a left hook from a fish hook. So when they bring a fight to them on paper, you know, and they see a guy's undefeated, they assume he's good. But, you know, if you're building up a fighter and you definitely know that you got some talent in this fighter, 
You're damn right you want to increase his level of opposition. I'm not talking about put him in there with a killer, but you can't keep giving him the same level of opposition because they just don't get better. And I think that that's what's happened with, with Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder, in the two fights that you uh, referred to, uh, Eric Molina and uh, Johan Duapaz, are great examples of a fighter in in uh, uh, Deontay Wilder that should have taken those guys out. Now, granted, Duapaz has a solid chin, but he should have taken those guys out, and he tried. And both fights went on and on and on. You know, so, I, you know, uh, I, I don't know, man. I, it, it, obviously, he's had some uh, injuries. He, he ripped his bicep. He broke his hand, blah, blah, blah. But at this point in time, as far as the heavyweight division goes, it is still the most important division. Anthony Joshua is the man. Everybody else has to go to him. Deontay Wilder, in my opinion, uh, cannot uh, demand anything. I think that Deontay Wilder is in a position right now, and I think that, that Al Heyman knows it too, that he's going to have to go and travel uh, to fight uh, Anthony Joshua over in England if Anthony wants to fight in England. He may want to come here in the U.S. And, uh, you know, the more I think of it, the more you're right. Uh, I think that Deontay Wilder should have taken a Dillian White fight and uh, maybe uh, he could have uh, made some money and, you know, solidified his position in the, at the bargaining table. At this point, he's losing uh, all his uh, bargaining chips. Well, you know, Lennox Lewis, Vladimir Klitschko, they came here because they had to. America was the hotbed, and that's where you needed to be to make the big money. But over the last couple of years, it has shown that over in Europe, the money can be made. And over in Europe, the uh, you know you'll get the packed house. You know they started their pay per views, so they have everything here, and that's why you know they're really stepping up on top of the fact that you know we're discovering a lot better fighters. So yes, Anthony Joshua is going to have to go over there, or he's going to have to stay here, and he's going to have to continue doing what he's doing for these minor paydays and hope that one of these fights that happens, you know, he doesn't get upset. That's the only way that I see it personally. You know, let me ask you a question, and we'll end it here. Maybe uh, you can get some emails and stuff, and we can talk about these emails once they come in. I'd like, you know, people, describe what a world-class fighter is. Not just you. I'm saying, I see people. Describe a world-class fighter. In your opinion, what is a world-class fighter, and what makes somebody a world-class fighter? I had this conversation with a couple people about a week and a half ago, and I was amazed at the responses. And one of these, these responses are a lot of what's wrong with this sport. And much to what we were just talking about, you know, too many of these people were focusing on these O's and they weren't thinking about nothing behind there. You know, there's, what makes a world-class fighter isn't the wins and losses. No, I, listen, I, it's a great question, and, and you're posing that. So anybody that uh, email me your definition of what you think a world-class fighter is, Billy at Talkin' Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. And you make a great point, Dax, uh, as we wrap it up here. I, I agree with you. And that's been, and you know, you and I talk all the time. And, and that's been one of my pet peeves with, you know, I don't, I don't want to sound like my father or grandfather about this young generation, these kids, you know, but it's true, you know, that they, that they have drank the Kool-Aid and they believe all this. I, like, like uh, I, you know, the other day, and, and occasionally I'll go through and I'll look at some comments on other uh, versions of the show, and I saw one the other day, and the title of the show was something along the lines of uh, Floyd Mayweather scamming his fans or, or whatever. Uh, you know, now he's saying, he's like, 
I compared it during that show to Bob Arum saying, oh, no, 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 I, I lied yesterday, but today I'm telling the truth. Well, that's the same thing Floyd is doing. You know, he's saying, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I've said I was going to go toe-to-toe. I said I was going to be exciting fight all 49 times, and I lied to you people, but this time I'm not going to lie. So so the, the, the heading was kind of like Floyd scammed us throughout his whole career. Why should we believe him now? And by the way, anybody, that particular episode also has a very extensive discussion on head trauma in boxing and other sports. You should definitely listen to it if you haven't watched uh, that fight, uh, that show. But uh, Dax, you know, uh, the the funny thing is I get this comment that uh, this fan says, he's not lying, he's telling the truth, you know, uh, and I believe him, you know, um, uh, because he's he said that. And I, and I say to myself, how can these kids and i say kids anybody you know that's 35 or younger to me as a kid um how can they believe that whatever this guy says and i'm saying this guy meaning floyd or deontay wilder whatever is fact i mean i understand that it's the same group of people that won't believe uh a hundred thousand uh uh ringside reporters saying that sugar ray robinson was was the best and if they can't watch video of him fighting as a welterweight, then they don't think he's the best. You know, the same fans that want to see it, touch it, feel it, believe everything certain people say. I don't understand it. You know what? I never seen a dinosaur, but I'm pretty sure, and I bet anything I have, that you know what? Those things were damn big. You know, but um, you speak about I don't want to sound like my father, you know, something he would say, you know, and you said how Aram, I'm lying today. I was lying yesterday, but I'm telling the truth today. My abuela, God rest her soul, she used to tell me something years ago. Don't believe anything you hear and only half of what you see. And that more or less, you know, pertains to this situation. You know, you can't believe anything you hear and you can only believe half of what you see because, you know, a lot of it just is a smokescreen. You have to, you know, actually take the time and step back and look into things. And that's why I stress so much into looking behind the record of something. And I always use the um, Arturo Gatti versus Thomas Damgard fight as an example. Damgard was 43-0. He was supposedly the A-side. Gatti was at the end of his career. Um, Damgard held one of these obsolete uh, uh, sanctioning body world titles. And Gatti, uh, you know, pretty much made a showcase at him in three or four rounds. You know, but, you know, he didn't expect this to happen. You know, looking at the numbers and on paper and at the stage of Gatti's career and the recent losses, Arturo Gatti should have been the guy that was laying on his back in a couple rounds, not Thomas damn guard and that happens just to be the difference and the internet and social media is a big part of that all you need is just one or two people who believe this one thing and then they start telling this guy and that guy and it starts like a whole chain reaction and it goes around and social media it's almost like a lot like, you know, being bullied. Nobody wants to disagree with the one guy about one fighter because he has so many uh, followers or different friends on his list. You know what? Then all of a sudden everybody's going to argue with them and you won't get these followers. And that's the tricky part of the sport. And you know something? That's how, you know, a lot of people learned how to manipulate boxing and promote certain fighters. That's how Dana White made the UFC so huge was through social media and the Internet and knowing exactly how to word things and put things out. For example, the video that they put out of Paulie Malinagy and Conor McGregor when uh, Paulie goes down they only took that certain little clip of Paulie going down and all of a sudden everybody was so excited and you know oh my gosh uh, McGregor knocked Paulie down 
you know what, but you didn't see the other 10 or 12 rounds, and you didn't see the other four or five versions from different angles when none of those punches landed. But that's the beauty of the Internet, and that's the way it's promoted today, and that's more or less the mindset and uh, things of uh, fans today. Or as that cheesy commercial goes, Bill, if it's on the Internet, it has to be true. This is true. Dax, I appreciate you uh, coming by today, and we'll look forward to you later in the week, brother. All right, everybody, enjoy your day. That's Dax Khan. You can check him out uh, on uh, our webpage. Uh, uh, he's got his column in there, and you can check him out here on Mondays and then later in the week as well. Hey, listen, I'm going to take a short break, and when I come back, uh, I got some other stuff cooking, so uh, don't go anywhere. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now, or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, one more time, I'm, I'm going to mention to you guys about uh, our event. I know we've been talking about it for a while, but it's crunch time now. And uh, we want you to come on down and uh, join me and Sal Rocky Senecola and St. Simon's Island uh, for uh, August 25th and 26th. Joining us. And will be available to you 100% for the weekend. It's former world champions Marlon Starling, Bobby Chez, and Mike Weaver. And also Sherman Henson, a renowned trainer out of Tampa, Florida, will be working out Sal Rocky Senecola, uh, hitting the mitts and uh, doing some other stuff uh, so you guys can see the old man at his best. And he's training now for it. He's training to train with Sherman. So uh, we're going to have a great time. Uh, not only will you get to meet these guys and... Uh, eat some of uh, Sal's uh, delicious Italian cuisine. Uh, you will also uh, be able to uh, play a little golf with the guys and uh, uh, have an official meet and greet where we're going to be showing uh, our uh, at least one, maybe even two full episodes of Billy C's Boxing Revisited, our new show, which will begin airing in the fall uh, on uh, uh, the networks. We'll keep you posted on uh, which networks you can watch them on. And uh, we're real excited about this series. You're going to love it. And uh, it's worth the trip in itself uh, to come down and watch that. Now, just call the Sea Palms uh, Resort in, on St. Simon's Island for the Billy C. Boxing Special. You can uh, just get all the information by going to seapalms.com or just visit our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the Sea Palms banner. Don't forget, uh, Wednesday, Boxing Hall of Famer Larry Hazard will be joining us, giving us his thoughts on the Terrence Crawford, Julius Dango fight. Uh, as well as uh, some other stuff. And we also have our Blast from the Past, which has uh, been requested by you guys. And we do the uh, Blast. It's one of our oldest and um, favorite, most favorite uh, segments of the show. If you send me a request for a Blast, we'll do it. And as per request, this week we're doing former uh, world champion and boxing Hall of Famer Fritzy Zivik. Talk about a guy who fought everybody. And then more. And then, again, I mean, Fritzy Zivik, wait till you learn about this guy. But uh, great stuff coming up later in the week. Uh, one programming note for that week that we are doing the uh, 
McGregor Mayweather special Billy C gathering uh, down in St. Simons. We won't be doing a live show, and I think we're off air uh, from August 22nd until the 30th. I think we're off the 22nd through the 30th. Uh, so uh, mark that down on your calendar. It'll be a good time to catch up on some of the past shows. And like I said, the the one up on YouTube with the title Floyd Scam and his uh, uh, fans or whatever, check out that show for the discussion that, that we had, an extensive discussion on head trauma and safety in boxing. Uh, it's worthwhile uh, to listen to that. On this day, August 14th, well, first and foremost, I want to wish uh, uh, a woman a very happy birthday today. Uh, she's uh, basically my mom, uh, who's uh, been uh, repl- uh, it's been a substitute mom my whole life for me uh, since I lost mine at uh, uh, the ripe old age of 16. So, Mrs. D, happy birthday. You know I love you, and hopefully uh, you got my uh, card today. But uh, uh, anyway, on this day, August 14th in 1922, Dave Rosenberg wins a 15-round decision over Phil King to win the vacant New York World Middleweight title that took place in the Bronx. On this day in 1903, James Jeffries knocks out James Corbett in the 10th round to retain his World Heavyweight title that took place in San Francisco, California. How about on this day in 1920, Sam Langford wins a 10-round newspaper decision over Sam McVeigh uh, in East Chicago, Indiana, uh, two uh, Hall of Fame fighters, uh, both extremely talented. And finally, on this day, August 14th in 1942, a guy that the best ever, and I'm talking about Sugar Ray Robinson, who is arguably the best ever to ever lace on a pair of boxing gloves. This is the only guy that he didn't want to fight. Now, it's not that he ducked him because uh, uh, of uh, reasons like why some other fighters duck fighters, but he didn't want to fight Charlie Burley because Charlie Burley was so slick in the ring, he didn't want to look bad against him. It's the only guy he publicly said he would not fight. Charlie Burley on this day, August 14th in 1942, knocks out Holman Williams, both Hall of Famers, in the ninth round to improve to 53 wins, seven losses, and a draw. And the fight took place in New Orleans. This fight was for the colored World Millerweight title and was considered to be one of the greatest fights of all time. Uh, try and find it if you can. Uh, Charlie Burley against Holman Williams from 1942, one of the greatest fights of all time. So uh, check that one out. Hey, listen, don't forget to tune in tomorrow morning. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, ciao, baby.